Okay, animation celery. Crunchy conversations about classic cartoons. Okay, Micah. You fight till the end. You are my best friend. Let's be heroes. <laughs> uh, or podcasters. I'm Matsy. Hey, I'm Micah. On Animation Celery, we give each other cartoons to watch and review, and then we come back uh, and talk about them. Wait, that's kind of redundant. Anyway, uh, because it's the month of Halloween, we give each other spooky episodes. Mm. So I'm going to be talking about Timon and Pumbaa, and Matsy, at my suggestion, is taking a look at Bump in the Night. Hmm. Yeah. First, we're going to do some miscellaneous stuff, like always. Uh, so, Matsy, what's your hodgepodge? Oh, Micah, you know. Oh, no. I started last week watching oh, my God. scary cartoons. Okay. So I got to watch another. Now, I, now, they're different ones. So, you know, oh. I'm not going to tell you about the next episode of Big Mouth or anything like that. Don't worry. Relief. It's a, it's a different scary cartoon. Yeah. Okay. Prepare yourself for the bone-chilling horror that is the head. The head. I don't really know what this thing is about. <laughs> well, you're about to find out. Yeah. So this starts out with Jim. He's gone to the doctor, and the doctor goes over his case again. He was out at night, and there he saw some flashing lights... And then he woke up in his bed. And that's when he decided that maybe he needed to consult with someone. The x-rays didn't work. They could only, they couldn't penetrate the membrane. There was just a black lump. Exploratory surgery is too risky. Because you see, Jim, Jim's head has grown 10 feet tall and 4 feet wide. Hmm. It's a gigantic pod. He is angry at the doctor. He claims that he's given him nothing but empty promises. And he storms out. While he's walking home, he's confronted by some thugs who kind of seem concerned about him or whether he's a freak or what. It's, it's, it's weird. They say, hey man, are you alright? Are you sick or something? What are you, some kind of freak? But as his anger literally boils over... Lumps start forming in his gigantic head, and a purple creature jumps out and beats up the thugs before yeah. climbing back inside. <laughs> he goes hmm. home. He goes home, and there he tries talking to his head, and the little thing pops out again. It introduces itself as, yeah, that's a weird alien name. But you can call him Roy. And he has to go to the bathroom. <laughs> now, next, we go to the scariest place of all. A government facility. Oh, no. Where a couple of feds are playing Pong. But then, horror of horrors, I can't get away from these guys. Butthead shows up. What? Yes. That butthead. Well, it uh, looked like it. I was going to say this is <laughs> this is like Beavis and Butthead, but it doesn't look quite so nice. It it, it looks way worse than Beavis oh, yeah. and Butthead. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's created, just so you know, this was a part of, uh, it was on MTV under the MTV's Oddities banner. 
which okay. consisted of two shows, this and The Max. Um, right. It was created by Eric Fogel, best known for creating MTV's Celebrity Deathmatch. <laughs> anyway, okay. Butthead is there. <laughs> I don't think it's Mike Judge doing the voice, but it's close. Okay. Uh, he delivers a videotape. It's a tape of a news broadcast with an eyewitness talking about having seen the devil himself pop out of this guy's head as they were just minding their own business and this guy assaulted them in an alley. Anyway, Roy, back at the apartment, explains that he is an alien and he has come to Earth to form a symbiotic relationship with Jim. Oh, I should mention, this is episode one, The Head. All right. Um, where he will live in Jim's head, which will help him acclimatize to Earth's atmosphere and in the process help Jim with some of his problems, mainly confidence. Hmm. Back at the feds, Dr. Lucas Elliott wants to see this eyewitness. Now, back at the... Uh, Back at the apartment, Roy explains that he has come to Earth not just to form a symbiotic relationship with Jim, but to stop an alien invasion. Just then, the phone rings. It's the doctor, who still desperately wants to help Jim. But, you know, now Jim knows what's up with his head, and so he's not interested. Although the doctor says, didn't you get my messages? Jim plays back the messages, which are basically, you have to let me help you, blah, blah, blah. But the last one is from Madeline, the girl in his trade school class who's coming over for a date and his head is gigantic. Oh, no. Mm. These are short episodes. Uh, so I watched three of them because they're like under 10 minutes each. Right. You just can't stop. <laughs> well, episode two, the <laughs> date. A date is coming over. Madeline, the cute girl, mm. and Roy is willing to help uh, Jim cook. I mean, Jim wants to call the thing off because of his grotesque head, but Roy will not allow him to. Uh, he jumps into the... He, he, he cooks up some shrimp scampi and uh, with his plate, climbs back into Jim's head for the rest of the evening. Now, Elliot, Dr. Lucas Elliot, he gets that eyewitness delivered to him by the, the fed thugs. And... From this, he learns that Jim came down Mulberry Street, and by doing some research, he determines that there's a head specialist doctor on Mulberry Street. So, they're gonna go there. Now, Madeline comes over. She is... <laughs> of all the terribly drawn characters in this show... Well, I shouldn't say that, because I've only... I've only seen three episodes, and I understand they get worse, but uh, she's pretty bad. She's like sub Beavis and Butthead. It's like mm. if someone was, if it, it's like, it's like a fan was trying to draw their like fan Beavis and Butthead character. Pretty much everybody in this show is actually. Anyway, uh, she is surprised by Jim's head, but she works at a, some kind of community center support group for, uh, anomalous people. Um, in the so, head, Madeline, hmm? Madeline, she's got like a curl of black hair. Is that the character? Uh, she's got some black hair. Yes. 
And like black okay. shiny hair. I'm looking at some pictures. This isn't too bad. Yeah. Is I it guess you have like, to see him moving. Well, that's the thing. You kind of don't. Well, yes, yes. It's, it's <laughs> pretty much all. Moving. Yeah, it's pretty much always like straight on with just their mouth moving or from the side with just their mouth moving. Um, anyway, Roy, back in the head, is looking at his little device. He's looking for pieces, but he spots something coming from space, which freaks him out. He jumps out of the head just as another alien bursts in. A fight ensues, during which the other character, Gork, uh, his voice actually changes halfway through this. Like, they just decided the first voice wasn't working, so they tried a second one, but then never bothered to go record the first half. In the same episode? Oh, in the same scene. Oh. Like, th- during, like when he first shows up, he sounds kind of like Roy, but then towards the end of the fight, he gets on this more, um, you know, like, dignified Kelsey Grammer kind of voice. Eh. It's okay. crazy. All right. Um, anyway, there's a fight. Uh, he is about to win until Roy almost knocks him out. But his way of escaping is to jump into Madeline's head and make it gigantic. Woo. And then hmm. she punches out Jim and walks away. And that's where we phase into episode three, The Mission. Did, did his head remain big or did it shrink oh, yeah. down? No, no, oh. no, no. It, it's still big. It's permanent damage, I guess. Permanent alterations. It's a permanent pod for Roy to live in. So Madeline like when, from this point forward has also got a big head. Uh, well, I haven't seen the rest of the series. I don't know if she'll eventually be fixed, but she does ah. right now. Because here's the thing. As we learn in episode three, uh, Roy explains Gork. He may live in people's heads as well, but he's a different alien. Whereas Roy is a symbiote, mm. Gork is a parasite. Okay. He will, he will live inside a host's head and slowly eat their brain. Hmm. But they have like three weeks, so that's not important right now. Meanwhile, the feds interrogate Dr. Axel. Dr. Axel is a uh, ethical doctor who is not willing to uh, explain a patient's details with a third party. Even though Elliot explains his childhood when he was young, he was looking at the stars and then he saw some weird light from a barn and this farmer with a giant head came out and collapsed and this alien came out of that giant head, examined Doc, uh, Lucas Elliot and determined that his head was too juvenile and then walked off and got hit by a truck. Hmm. So Dr. Elliot figures that an, a head-snatching alien invasion is forthcoming. He's kind of a crackpot, but at the same time, he has something to back up his, uh, you know, his thoughts here. Right. Hmm. Now, Roy explains his plot. Gork is a mercenary, and an alien invasion is coming to Earth. Millions of Gorks are going to <laughs> take over all the heads on Earth. He was sent to Earth with a machine that can stop the invasion, but wouldn't you know, as he was falling to Earth, it split into five pieces. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, The feds take Dr. Axel away, and Roy uses his machine to determine that the first piece is, like, somewhere in the harbor. Uh, Jim takes him up to the roof, 
and shows him the uh, the Statue of Liberty in the harbor. And looking through some binoculars, they spot the first piece embedded in the statue's cheek. Uh, Roy tries some telepathy. Apparently, their minds will eventually link as they spent more time together, but it's not quite there yet. They need a boat. G uh, Roy can get to the statue by himself, but they're going to need a boat to transport the piece back. So off he goes, disguised with a pair of sunglasses, whereas Jim is thinking about that support group for other uh, anomalous people. So he goes off. J uh, Roy, I keep getting these guys mixed up. Their names are so bland. Mm -hmm. Roy takes a bus and then a ferry uh, to the Statue of Liberty. But... Uh, <laughs> The funny joke here is the tour guide talking about uh, how the the statue is a symbol of how the diversity of peoples in America make it so great. And when mm -hmm. when Roy takes off his sunglasses to shed a tear, the tour guide goes, hey, it's an alien. Let's kill it. Ha. OK. And that's where episode three ends. And that's where I stopped for now. You know, if you didn't know what this show looks like. It sounds kind of interesting. Like, I like a, a show with, like, a mission where you're recovering parts of something. You know, like mm -hmm. Dragon Balls. Yeah, <laughs> Yes, cool. yeah, 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 yeah. I like yeah. that. But it, I, I, it, I know the show is ugly as hell. Oh, it's so ugly, and the voice acting is pretty bad. Um, okay. As far as I can tell, there's only one voice actor in this show who continued to have a career in voice acting. Okay. In his debut role, and I'm not sure what character, he might be various voices, mm -hmm. John DiMaggio. Oh, wow. John huh. DiMaggio is in this. It's his first ever voice acting role. I bet he's Roy or Gork. Um, Roy has kind of a high-pitched voice like this. He hmm. might be Gork. Now that you mentioned it, he might be Gork. Yeah. Um, yeah, the voice acting is really bad. It's like sub early Beavis and Butthead ugly. Yeah. But I guess I the guess, story, I guess it was MTV's identity, right? They wanted to be yeah. like a sick and Mike's twisted, uh, festival kind of <laughs> sick look. and Mike's twisted. Yeah. Sick and Mike, Spike and Mike's sick and twisted. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah they wanted I don't, that yeah. Kind of aesthetic. Yeah. I mean, it's 1994 MTV cartoons. Um, right. I remember the Max actually looking pretty good, and I'd like to watch all of that. Well, it's not animated very much, so they, no, no. But it's it's. I remember it being fairly comic accurate. Mm-hmm. Never watched it that much because I also thought it was a little boring. But uh, I bought the VHS, but then never actually watched it because oh, because hmm. then like shortly after that, um, VHSs just kind of went away. So yeah. I do have the Max on VHS somewhere in this house. Hmm. Do they, <coughs> excuse me, do they ever show the inside of the head? Oh, yeah. Okay, so there's a layer in there, right? He is, so it's like this big pink cavern. He's sitting on top of Jim's brain. Mm -hmm. uh, so I guess the skull has also expanded. Um, and he has these like kind of binocular things that connect to the eyes so he can see what Jim is seeing. <laughs> like an upside down periscope, I guess. I, I suppose something like that, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so yeah, it might have an okay story, um, but boy, it's kind of hard to listen to and pretty ugly. Ooh. <laughs> Not as yeah. scary as Big Mouth. 
I thought it was going to be a lot huh. worse than it was. It's it's only scary to look at once you actually once you're like thinking about the plot. It's like, oh, actually, this is kind of OK. Huh? Boy, that's that's a harsh indictment of Big Mouth. I don't even know if I'd go that far. But then again, I only have memories of the head and just. Uh, yeah, well, the Big Mouth is that kind of humor, you know, like it's it's cleaner looking. Yeah. Although the character designs are like the head is like trying to look like decently drawn human people. It's just they don't have the talent to back it up. Whereas right. Big Mouth has a style that is <laughs> like it's it's done. They've realized their vision perfectly and their yeah, vision I is ugly. Huh. Yeah. So that was my horrors. Stay tuned next week for more. Okay, what do you okay. got? Um, I guess I only have one small horror thing. Oh. Uh, okay, don't think about this too much. Um, so you have a shovel and a corpse and you're in a graveyard. What do you do with a dead body? Uh, um, hmm. I mean, the... The first instinct is bury it, but the, I mean, that seems disrespectful because you'd need like a casket and headstone and stuff. Okay. All right. But, but okay. So the, the key was in your answer there. Um, yeah. So this is, this is a linguistic thing. Um, you, people know the angry video game nerd, right? And he's got a series huh. called, you, you, you know, what's bullshit, right? Oh, I said a bad word. Um, I'll bleep it. You, you know that series? No, it's just I don't play I don't watch much of the angry video game nerd because it's, you know, like that. Let me review this old video game. Here's all the reasons it's terrible. Like that is so played out in 2022. Well, I guess he's the uh, one of the original players that yeah. played it out. But yeah. anyway, one of his other series, you know, it's BS. That's actually what has to be titled on YouTube now, oh, I okay. guess. So it doesn't get demonetized. Anyway, yeah. it's him complaining about something else. Right. Okay. Like about pennies or about too much cream cheese on bagels. You know, no just, such thing. Well, in, in, in his of either example, of those, actually, in Canada, in his example, there's a lot. I don't, actually, I can't remember if this is from, you know, it's BS, but I think it is. I think okay. it is. Um, so he complains about the word bury. OK. Right. He says bury. All right. Bury. And so his, his point is like, why do people say bury? Look at the way it's spelled. Right. I think. Mm -hmm. I think he has a point. Now, sometimes for his style and, and linguistic things like this, I think I think he's based somewhere around Chicago, Illinois okay. anyway, I think. All right. And I, I made an assumption like, well, maybe that's an Illinois thing saying uh, Burry. Hmm. But then uh, other YouTuber, uh, Sasha from Casually Comics, she's Canadian-based. Ca she's I got, uh, Ontario, maybe. I don't know where she is. Maybe she's, she's Canadian at any, at any rate. Uh -huh. And she regularly says Burry. Mm-hmm. So it's got me wondering. And I think I'm in that camp now. It makes sense to me to disambiguate it from Barry, the person. There's probably or a noun, a, prop, a, a regular noun for Barry as well. Like the little small sweet fruits? Well, yes, <laughs> those. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, Burry makes a lot of sense to me. It does. Um, you know what? I will consult with my sister and get back to you next week on this issue. 
And I guess it would be a burial. Burial. Huh. Burial. I've heard people say bury. And it, yeah. it kind of, you know, as someone who grew up saying bury, it annoys me. Like, you're saying it wrong. But no, but yeah, there's I, there's already sweet s- fruits and stuff. Yeah, I can see the argument. Yeah. Well, that's it. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, so I, I watched I started uh, at your recommendation <gasps> ages ago uh, watching She-Ra and the <gasps> Princesses of Power. Yay! <laughs> Yeah, we're 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 doing this thing right now where we're trying to catch up. We're still suffering from the effects of the uh, cursed Return of the King episode, so our, our turnaround <laughs> is pretty short. Anyway, <laughs> I, I I was thinking what I'm gonna watch. Oh yeah, yeah, we'll we'll have some common ground to talk about here. Um, so yeah, I just started it. I'd already uh-huh. seen a handful of episodes before, but nothing organized, right? Just one here and there. Okay. Uh, and uh, anyway, um, so. Yeah, okay. First thing that strikes me about this is the, probably the best thing on the show is the backgrounds. All right. Um, they're good. They they hold up to the original, which I think was the best thing about the original She-Ra as well, hmm. that they're creative and they have some character to them. I would say these backgrounds... Yeah, they, they oh, literally have some character to them. His name is Looky. <laughs> yes, right. Well, you know what? I wasn't looking in <laughs> these ones. Is I wonder if he's hidden in each episode. I guess by now... People know if he's if he's there or not, but no. Uh, Madam uh, Raz actually comments on it at some point. Yes, yes, I did hear that comment, but I wondered, like, oh man, should I have been paying better attention this whole time? Is Lucky been around anyway? Um, yeah. Well, I'll get to that for my point about the backgrounds here. But they, um, yeah, so they do this thing where the 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 stuff in the far back uh, don't have visible line work, but then in the middle ground, it's kind of like Jean Giraud Mabius. You know, that style where hmm. the the sort of intricate line work. And I like it. Really good. Yeah. Um, I'll say that I find the character designs kind of troublesome. Hmm. And I would say I'm not the only one. And I'm not talking about people that are like, oh, there aren't enough boobs in the show. <laughs> Although conspicuously they aren't. There aren't. Right. Well, like, I guess uh, uh, Entrapta's pretty uh, bosomy at her uh, robust B cups. Anyway, she can't. Um, well, I, I think, you know, I think these characters are mostly fairly young. You know, I looked it up. Adora's 17. Okay. So anyway, um, so about these character designs, my initial reaction uh, back when this came out was that I was bothered a little bit because I found them to be unambitious. Okay. You know, um, now as I look at them, I kind of find <laughs> I, what I think is that the character designer had a lot of blind spots. <laughs> like they didn't, they didn't understand things that they were doing. And as a result, they kind of hung the animators out to dry. Now, animators could make mistakes on their own. Right. Yeah. But I think, um, for example, uh, Shira's tiara, what angle are those wings supposed to come out? They never seem to know, right? Um, And similarly, um, what's her name? Glimmer? Yeah. Um, Her hair. Okay, so so sometimes in a show, like, I remember watching Dirty Pair way back in the day, the the movie for it. And I thought it was kind of funny that there's like a profile shot of the hair that looks really nice. And then when the character looks the other way, 
it just stays that way until the head turns at a certain point and it entirely flips. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah I think yeah. that's it's kind of funny, but I understand. But for Glimmer's instance, she's kind of in no man's land where <laughs> that happens, but they also animate in between two. But it's clear the animators don't understand what's happening here. Like from front on, she's got a part on one side and then kind of cowlicks that that curl up like extremely on her left side. But when she turns to show that side of her face, that cowlick all of a sudden becomes, uh, all of a sudden instead juts behind herself rather than to the side. You know what I mean? Kind so, of. Yeah. Yeah. So what they've done is that there's no clear understanding for the animators, what shape her hair is supposed to be. And it's fine if they wanted to cheat it, but it doesn't look like they're doing it on purpose, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, I would say that the show's got a lot of things like that, where it's just uh, the designs have those shortcomings and it hurts the animation, I think. I um, remember seeing, like, somebody had posted uh, on Tumblr, I think it was, as a joke. They were like, hey, look, here's everybody's Tumblr original character. And they mm -hmm. just, like, they drew this character and they're, like, pointing out, like, every aspect of them. It's like, oh... A uh, shorter girl, a little bit thick, purple hair, like all this kind of stuff. Right. And then like two years later, that popped up again side by side with Glimmer. And they're like, oh, uh, my, this, this is it. Somebody like uh, literally made like the joke Tumblr OC is yeah. Glimmer. Yeah, I don't I don't totally dislike her design, though. It's fine. Um, yeah. <laughs> I know that there's there's a big stink about this show. Uh from people that are offended by the lack of boobies and, and you know, that they have a chunky character yeah, and that homosexuals exist and so on, you know, whatever. Um, My theory, I actually have a theory that, um, every humanoid or at least human yeah. or whatever they are on Etheria is bisexual. Oh, because, okay. because like, it makes sense for, you know, like Bo is smitten by uh Seahawk kind of uh Glimmer mm. is smitten. Like, like everybody's smitten by everybody. Everybody dates everybody. There's lesbian relationships all over the place. Hey, guess what? Secondary character with two dads. Um, so I just kind of went, you know what? The only way this makes sense is if everybody is bi. Well, you know. I guess it's an a-religious paradise. Sure. Um, yeah. um, thinking about but, character designs. Yeah. Um, what do you think of Shadow Weaver? Because I think she's awesome. I, I much prefer the old Shadow Weaver's design. Hmm. I think, I think character-wise, they definitely give her more, though. Oh, yeah. Um, no, okay. How far are you in this, by the way? I don't know, like eight episodes, maybe? What, what has happened? Um, we haven't met, uh, what's her name? Is it Frosta? Okay. The, the, we haven't met her yet. Oh we, boy. We, we have done, we have gone to, um, oh, what's it called? The, uh, we have met Castispella in her, her cloud kingdom. Right. Okay. Um, and you so, mentioned it in Trapta. Yes, we've done that. That's after, is it? Is it before or after? I, I, I don't remember. remember the exact order. But yes, yes, I've seen Entrapta's episode, her first one. Yeah. Her um, kingdom is called Drill. <laughs> Funny. It's D-R-Y-L. 
L, I think. Um, <laughs> it's it's pronounced Daryl. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just Canadian things. Well, that's no, not, no, no. That's they, not they got, they got, true. They got kids in the hall and yeah, HBO. Yeah, they do. They do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, just just old person things. How about? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so for for Shadow Weaver's design. Okay, so overall, I'm lukewarm on it, but okay. it has one of those things I was talking about. There, her her mask has a straight edge on the sides, mm -hmm. which causes all kinds of problems for animating her. <laughs> There's like no flexibility and everything looks weird when you see her from the side. Anyway, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know what the show actually, because of that, it really reminds me of Teen Titans. <laughs> because I find that the designs on Teen Titans have these problems too. Um, uh, I mean... It, the shows are more than their designs, but it's certainly not a big plus for me. Um, yeah, I know. Like I've I've said before that somebody mentioned every character having a raccoon mask over the bridge of their nose. And then when I went back and looked at Shira, I was like, oh, man, that's all I can see now. <laughs> that doesn't bug me. Um, yeah. Actually, uh, some designs are better than others. Actually, the, the beginning, we get to see Shira start her day yeah. uh, in the Fright Zone. Yeah. So she's like brushing her teeth and everything. I wanted to see her use a bump it to make her hairstyle. <laughs> you know the bump the bump it that little thing you put you you curl your hair up oh, top of the bouffant. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that hairstyle yeah. works perfectly. The animators understand that all the time. Yeah. I think her design is good. I think her clothing is good. But the thing I don't understand is in the beginning the problem is that she's in a horde troopers uh, non armored outfit. Right. And so they have to disguise her. And, you know, afterwards, people realize that she's not. But at the same time, why didn't she get a different outfit? Why does she keep wearing that red vest and, you know, that that white shirt with the uh, the horde bat on it? Eh, you know, it's comfortable, I guess. I, I guess, yeah. Um, Maybe they don't trust her enough to give her different clothes. Hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I like her fine. Shira... I'm a little iffy on her design. Some things I like. Um, one thing I realized, though, is that they've, they seem really quickly to have shrunk her down. Yeah. In the beginning, she's a giant. Yeah. And the funny thing is, even as recently as the last episode I watched, they referred to her being eight feet tall. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Um, who is that? Uh, Mermista says that, I think. Oh, it's in that episode anyway. Uh, and like, she's... But when she stands next to Glimmer, like, how tall is Glimmer supposed to be? I thought she was, like, yeah, 5'2", maybe. Yeah. And and that just makes She-Ra look like she's 6'5", or something like that. So, yeah. anyway. Hmm. Um, I like, she basically has, well, I would say she basically has the same power set, but she seems to have a broader power set, even. Well, uh, she's... But I She's also still learning her powers. Like, she figures out more sure. stuff as the series goes on, as she gets trained by Light Hope. Right. I especially like seeing her do brutish things, you yeah. know, like cutting a uh, tank's cannon in half and that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, although, where does she put the sword? The sword has no scabbard. Sometimes they take pains to show what she does with it, but uh, uh, she does the thing that drives all sword owners crazy, where she sticks it into the ground. Every yeah. sword owner hates that in movies. <laughs> Just jab that thing into the earth. Um, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, for the designs, I would say I like her. Shadow Weaver's okay. Glimmer's okay. I like Mermista, actually. Um, yeah. 
And you, you can tell that not only I like her, but the creators, especially like Entrapta. Um, oh, Entrapta's great. I've described Entrapta as she's a chaotic neutral character played by a D&D player who doesn't understand what chaotic neutral means. Well, you know what? People play chaotic neutral without any nuance. They're just like, yeah. I'm crazy. Yeah. But I think she is chaotic because her allegiances switch, right? So I think that, yeah, that she doesn't have any or at least at the start, doesn't have particular ideas about what's good and evil, I think. Well, yeah, it um, was weird. Like, when I went back and looked up, like, I found it kind of a spoiler. It was like, Entrapta is like, is she a character in the original? And then I w looked it up, and she was part of the Horde. And I was like, yeah. oh, man, is that a spoiler? Ha. Shoot. You know who's got the garbage design? Um, Perfuma. Oh, I hate her. <laughs> Just terrible. You wow. know who's got a good design, though? Scorpia. Love her. Oh, Scorpia. Love her character? Love her trust design? Trust me. Trust me. By the end of this series, Scorpia will be your favorite character. I guarantee you that. Okay. Well, I like her, so, I like her already. Oh, um, she's so good. And, you know, it's... So I was talking about how Shadow Weaver gets an expanded role, which, like... In Filmation, I'm pretty sure that she's just there because they wanted somebody wizardy on the yeah. bad guy's side. Yeah. But she, she's cool there, but they've, what they've done, so she's a little mysterious in the Filmation stuff, a little bit, but what they've done is they've given her an expanded role here and allowed Hordak to be mysterious, which I think is a real good decision. I think Hordak's design here is pretty good too, actually. Yeah. Um, There's, there, I mean... You know, well, I obvious, mean, obviously things get explained over the course of five seasons. But. OK, but Filmation Hordak is terrible. Yeah, he's talk about an unthreatening villain. <laughs> um, <laughs> seeing him shape change into a uh, <laughs> a rocket with his face on it. And oh, off. yeah. <laughs> and the, the, the basic premise of the show is good, but there are episodes where they attack Horde Prime and he retreats from there. Shouldn't that be the end? <laughs> like, why do they leave? Why don't they dismantle the place? Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Oh, um, you mean Fright Zone? No, so not Horde Prime. Fright, the Fright Zone, yes. Yeah, yeah. By the way, to him, a good background. The original Fright Zone is so good. Oh, I yeah. love that. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, so, I, I've, <laughs> so, Perfuma might be my least favorite character design. Okay. I like to my least favorite character. Uh -oh. I hate... I hate, I hate Bo. <laughs> oh my goodness, is he annoying. Okay, so he could be better because uh, he might get a little better. They've set him up to be kind of like uh, Green Arrow and that he's got all these trick arrows, theoretically. Theoretically. He doesn't, he doesn't fire very many of them very often. Yeah. Um, uh, but his, okay, his design, I semi-dislike. It's not great, but it's not yeah. the worst. Okay. Um, but his character, like his enthusiasm, <laughs> I often like enthusiastic characters. I hate this one. And <laughs> his cracking voice, I can't stand his <laughs> mat. Okay. The, the things he says, you know, like, um, uh, a lot of characters do this, but especially him that, you know, kind of <laughs> what, wait, no, you know, they say that kind of thing. I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it just, yeah, and just repeat that with a cracking voice. Yeah. <laughs> He's not cool. Okay. And for that matter, Glimmer's not cool either. Mm. Um, these two characters in particular act like they're in totally spies. <laughs> <laughs>
And actually, this is a problem I had early on. Where are the adults in this world? They're almost none. It's almost all these, uh, these hyperactive goons, you know, like yeah. Glimmer and Bo. Yeah. Um, like, no wonder Angela... Is it Angela? Angela. 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 Yeah. No wonder she doesn't trust her. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, so yeah, there's some, some hurdles to this show, getting over Bo in particular. Hmm. Uh, yeah, like... It got to the point where preemptively it would just, he'd come on screen and I would say, shut up before he even <laughs> <did> anything. <laughs> um, you know, one very prominent character that you haven't even mentioned yet is Katra. Okay. Uh, do you have any I, opinion of Katra? So-so. Yeah. Her design is so-so. Yeah. Again, her hair just, you think that her hair has the flexibility but to to be drawn at an angle, but I just kind of feel like it has no body or shape to it, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And also there are too many people with, I wouldn't have guessed that Adora is 17, but okay, I'll buy it. But there's so many of these kind of uh, spindly 17 year old or sp spindly uh, adolescent bodies in the show. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Her, the, the, the team that was training uh, for the horde there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What a bunch of goofs those are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you haven't seen the last of them. Well, I thought I thought I had early on, but no, they came back. And you think they just get dismissed early on, like, oh, you've got no action features. You know, <laughs> you, you don't have a, a, a backpack with a dragon head that spits or anything. <laughs> Speaking of which, for the designs, I know I'm talking, harping on the designs quite a lot of the show, but I was thinking about it, like, because... Masters of the Universe gets remade so much. Yeah. And they seem to be embarrassed by their furry underwear, you know? <laughs> yeah. They're, they're getting pants now all the time, and there's <laughs> pants in this show. I was kind of thinking about the contextually what Masters of the Universe and She-Ra were back in their day, that they were this special kind of tacky, <laughs> you know, with yeah. those furry underwear, or uh, for women, tons of... Uh, bare meaty thighs or at least uh leggings yeah um and i was wondering is this tacky or even should it be should it should it be tacky in that way um and when i put it in that context you know people would grouse on uh tila and revelations having that hairdo that was shaved on one side mm -hmm. and i was thinking you know what that is sort of the tacky of our era. <laughs> so, <laughs> so maybe it is appropriate. And there's one character, a rare adult. I don't remember her name, but she's like a captain under Angela uh, who has, it looks like she has that anyway, that hmm. kind of hair. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head. It might not be an action figure. <laughs> yes, no action features. Because um, I know that like some of the other, like you see, like the alliance is broken. It's kind of like the only... The only action figures that are still around, there's Glimmer, Bo, Adora, <laughs> Angela, and then there's um, Natasa and who's Natasa's wife? Uh, I don't know. I've only seen them sit at a... Ah, oh, jeez. I've only seen them at the council and uh, they're, Bo they're, not knowing what they did. They're very minor characters. Oh, uh, okay. oh, she spins. Spinarella. Spinarella, that's it. Natasa and Spinarella. Um, yeah, they... They become more prominent. I mean, they're never major characters, but they become like actually doing things characters later. One of them, I believe, is voiced by the creator. 
uh, Noel Stevenson. Oh, okay. Hmm. So maybe they were oh. has maybe it was like oh this, here's just a cameo, uh, Noel. You can do it just as a vanity thing. And they're like, actually, let's explore these characters more. By the way, Angela's design trash. <laughs> okay. No good. Yeah. Um, okay, so I was thinking about the story of the Shira, mm-hmm. and I sort of feel that it's too simplistic. You know that uh, horde bad, uh, rebels good, and also, okay, so so Adora. Uh, takes her joyride and ends up learning how good um, Glimmer and Bo. I mean, it's 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 a good vehicle. It's a good story vehicle that they have uh, have to face a danger together, right? Right. Right. To get them together, uh, but then she's in the village that gets attacked by the horde, and she realizes, hey, this isn't a fortified. This isn't a fort at all. These are just common people. Yeah. So I have a little problem with this in that one, she would have come to this realization anyway, leading this expedition, mm-hmm. whether she'd, you know, gotten separated or not. Yeah. Um, and two, that she has the sensibility and she was ra- raised by Shadow Weaver. Yeah. I don't think she would. Um, I think if anything, she would be kind of harsh, probably pretty bigoted. Um, mm. But then I was thinking... Uh, Bigger. We talk about this a lot. Hey, the this this Etheria is comprised of a bunch of bunch of principalities. It seems. Yeah. Um. Now the horde fears and is battling the princesses. Yes. So in a sense, the horde, you you could give them a very relatable motivation that they're just taking down the monarchies, like as they should. <laughs> Um, and, uh, uh, so I was thinking that one way, maybe this is too much for a show that's probably aimed at, uh, ages eight to 11, but the, the horde could be contextualized as communist, Mm. right? That they would use that thrust. Like it's, it's uh, egalitarian for, for us to strike down against the monarchy. Plus, okay, so when when Adora gets her own bedroom, um, she's unused to it, and it's gigantic, and it has like a it has a space a, a luxurious bed and a waterfall and everything in it. Yeah, kind kind of backs the idea that these guys are bourgeois, especially when you see the villages, and it's just a bunch of uh, weirdos with horns, you know, uh, <laughs> tending yeah. their farmers markets and stuff. Like, there could have been. Uh, gray areas, and there still might be by the end, but they, mm. they, but certainly not out of the gate. They could, they could have portrayed this like, you know, what the the princesses really are sort of a relic of an era, right? That they they are sort of abusive uh, socially. Mm. Also, they could have done this by um. There was a there was just a little bit of dialogue that seemed to direct it where Glimmer was going to see Adora as a weapon. Yeah. And that would have been a nice, interesting part of conflict, but it's not really there. It's just kind of simplistic horde bad, you know, um, uh, kind of maybe I mean, the, the horde, it changes the hordes, the hordes motivation is explained. Like mm-hmm. I've, I've mentioned that horde prime, there is a horde prime in this. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure you haven't experienced that yet. Like, I'm not sure they would have even mentioned horde prime at this point. But mm. 
there is something above Hordak. Sure. There's um, a greater foe. Yeah. There is there there's a greater motivation. There's a Okay. I'm not going to say it's like relatable or, you know, understandable or like oh the horde has a point. But it's like there is something beyond, you know, oh we're just evil and we just want to conquer everything. They have a um an ideal uh, ideology sort of behind it. Mm. Um, and that gets explained later. And the princess thing is also there is an episode coming up. Um, I don't think you're there yet because you said you haven't seen Frosta. And this is the episode with Frosta in it. Um, mm. It's an episode called Princess Prom. And <laughs> that is my next one. Yeah. Oh, for my money, that is the best episode in the entire series. And I think a lot of people have that same money on that episode. Hmm. It's really good. Um, you get to learn a little bit more about Scorpia. Um, the stakes uh, become a little bit more apparent. It's it's a really good episode. I won't say too much. I think it's like the second to last episode of the se- of the season. Um, but yeah. Well, you know what? We're, we're running super long. Oh, my on, gosh. On yeah. OK. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I have other hot takes. I guess they'll wait for next week. I'll watch the prom and more episodes. But uh, so we had a lot of fun. Let's have a little bit less fun now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Here we go. Let's get through this. Bump in the night, also known as Jim Cummings doing Jim Cummings things. Hmm. Uh. So this is a stop motion, in fact, claymation series from 1994. Uh. It was produced by a company. I don't know. Danger Productions and Greengrass Productions. I did some uh, researching here. Um, I don't know what Danger Productions is, but Greengrass, I thought, was now owned by Disney, but it's actually owned by uh, a different... Because, like, if you click on Greengrass Productions on Wikipedia, it just... Um, it it forwards to uh, a list of production companies owned by ABC, which is to say Disney. Um, okay. But apparently... It is currently owned by a Canadian company called Wild Brain. Hmm. So for what that's worth. But anyway, the point of this thing is that it's um, a little monster that lives under the bed, Mr. Bumpy. And it's kind of a Toy Story-ish thing, but with monsters, which I guess now that I'm saying that out loud is Monsters, Inc. But not that. It's like Hmm. if the monsters weren't trying to gain fuel, if they were just Toy Story. So you got Mr. Bumpy, you got... Uh, Molly Coddle, who is a doll made of various doll parts, um, you know, much like, uh, uh, Courtney Love and, whoa, well, they have a song called Doll Parts. Um, okay. That's that's not a, that's not a gig at Courtney, a dig at Courtney Love. But it could be. They have a song called Doll Parts. Um, and, and also there's Squishy, uh, who is Rob Paulson, uh, who's a blue monster that lives (laughs) in the toilet. Um, yeah. I will say, you know, to get the voice acting out of the way, this is just Jim Cummings doing Jim Cummings. But All right. um, Rob Paulson is recognizable, but he's actually putting on a different voice. Like, you know, it's Rob Paulson, but definitely unlike Jim Cummings, he has the ability to do different voices. You know, it's really distracting. What? The, the, the opening theme. You know, that bump, bump, bump in the night where the, the pretty yeah. dolls are singing it. Yeah. That it's so distracting that one of them is Rob Paulson. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 
that's okay. There's the voice acting hot take, but let's get to the point of this thing. Uh, it's two parts per episode, actually three, but I'll get to that third in a second or not. Mm. Um, where's my notes? All right. Part one is called Baby Jail, which is a funny title. Sure is. Yeah. Um, and it's Mr. Bumpy laughing at Molly Coddle as she's trying to feed these babies. I guess they're like toy babies. They I, must be. Yeah. There's a bottle next to them at one point. There's a bottle. Yeah, they have um, you can see their feet and they have like a little like hole where the plastic molding is stopped. So I'm guessing <laughs> yeah. these are like one big toy baby and a bunch of little toy babies. Uh, she's feeding him. They're spitting it out, including into Bumpy's face. He's <laughs> woo. <laughs> he thinks he'd kind of enjoy being a baby because you get to just kind of do nothing, which is what he does anyway. But uh, anyway, Molly and Squishy are going to go wash the diapers. I don't know. I guess baby's got to do what. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Doll dookies. Yeah, I, I suppose. <laughs> doll farts um uh anyway uh bumpy's kind of pressed into action to get the baby formula which he does a bottle that says baby formula on the side uh he he thinks it's pretty easy like taking candy from a baby this is jim <laughs> cummings doing his cool guy voice Ooh. Hmm. That, I think this, in <laughs> retrospect I think this might be the cartoon that turned me on Jim Cummings back in the day I see I think I was a big okay. Jim Cummings fan and then I heard this and I'm like hey wait a minute anyway right right I remember you were a big uh, hyenas fanboy oh boy for Lion King yeah uh, we'll get to that well maybe not but well, kind of but yeah um what happens oh yeah so um he trades, you know, he's trying to fight with this baby over this candy. And in the process, he gets squirted in the mouth with this baby formula. They do a second shot of the bottle to remind you that it's baby formula. And turns out that it is literally baby formula in that it turns him into a baby. Now, he's not a baby Mr. Bumpy. Like, he's not, you know, his his maturity and, like, consciousness hasn't reverted to baby form. He's just smaller yeah. and in a diaper now. Uh, now all the babies bully him in a game of pan, uh, pancake, patty cake, patty cake. Yeah. Cause there's one big baby, big Mike, <laughs> who's the big man on block. Cause he's got a tooth and his voice by Brad Garrett. So the main man. So yeah. he's like, he's like half Hulk Hogan. Yes. <laughs> um, they tickle him until he drools, which is not a reaction to tickling I've ever seen, but okay. Uh, but eventually they make a truce so that they can escape the baby jail. Mr. Bumpy figures out a good idea, which is to shoot some all the diapers tied together into a um, rope rope. Yeah. And they, they shoot it up on top of the crib and uh, escape. But then Squishy and Molly show up and catch them all. Uh, there's a scene where they're about to catch Bumpy, and I guess they don't realize that it's Bumpy. Even right, he, Molly he, does. Molly no. can only see sizes, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's about to get him with her big butterfly net, but then hmm. Big Mike jumps in the way and takes the hit for him. Uh, but then when it's uh, his turn again, Bumpy stops and allows himself to get caught because he, I guess, has a good sense of morality here, and he he saw that Mike took the net that was meant for him, and so he, you know, he's not gonna let that sacrifice stand. Uh, but now the worst part comes, the burping. 
which is when mm. Molly picks up Bumpy and pats him on the back until he burps, which transforms him back into Bumpy size. And now he they recognize that it's Bumpy and he has more of an understanding of what babies are like. And they're not all bad. Mm. Eh. Okay. You know what? What? All the cartoons we're looking at today have some really stupid quotes in them. Yeah. <laughs> when Bumpy throws that rope to get out of the uh, pen. Oh, gosh. Yeah. He quotes an arbitrary Martin Luther King Jr. Free at last. Free at last. As he climbs up. It. Well, I noticed that, too. I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> but they couldn't do the whole thing because the next part of it's free at last. Free at last. Thank God Almighty. I'm free at last. But they can't right. do that. So he has to do no. free at last. Free at last. Free at last. OK. Yeah. So yeah. like they quote it, but they even do it wrong. But yeah, whatever, <laughs> whatever. Le- le- well, is that legitimately funny? I laughed legitimately anyway. <laughs> I I just thought it was dumb. I could yeah. see a- another thing that I noticed. Uh, well, hang on. I'll, uh, let me get through this and then I'll get into more technical stuff, because now right. comes the okay. uh, the real reason. Um, the second half of these episodes seems to be the point of them. This is called Night of the Living Bread. Now, we get a live action section here because sometimes they have the uh, the little boy whose bedroom Bumpy lives in and his little kid sister. Uh, the boy puts on a paper bag drawn like Frankenstein and tries to scare his sister, but she just tells him to get lost. That was pointless. Anyway, now Bumpy is uh, doing something. He, he has something in the kitchen under a sheet and he's got some electrodes tied to it and Squishy is holding a kite outside so that it'll hmm. attract lightning, which is not how that experiment works, but whatever. Uh, lightning uh, strikes the thing, which Squishy assumes is giving it life, but no, it turns out it's just a sandwich. I guess he wanted it toasted. I don't know. Hardcore. Yeah. It's a big sandwich. So big, in fact, that when Bumpy lifts it, the top slice of bread falls off and lands behind the microwave. Hey, they had a microwave they could have heated the sandwich up with. Ah, but microwaving mm. isn't the same as toasting. Anyway, he eats the sandwich and they leave. Uh, and there's an ominous warning that radioactivity, radiation from the microwave can cause strange effects. And uh, a narrator. Hey, it's Jim Cummings doing almost the same voice. Uh, mm. Narrates that the bread basically comes to life. I don't know if it's because it's really old or because it's uh, radioactive. Maybe both. The microwave and the lightning. There's so much, I guess. Yeah, there's lots of reasons why this bread could come to life, I guess. Okay. But, um, but anyway, as they're walking around, um, Bumpy and Squishy, Squishy spots the bread behind him, which then eats him. Um, <laughs> you know, Mr. Bump kind of whacks the thing a bunch to try to get it out. And then he gets a safe suspended on a line, which... A tiny safe. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Which the bread wants no part of. It spits Squishy back out and runs so that the safe hits uh, Squishy. And then uh, the bread ambushes them again and tries to eat uh, Bumpy, but Bumpy tastes bad, so he gets spit out. Uh, The hilarious joke here being, everybody knows white bread can't jump. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Must have been whole wheat. Uh, Okay, so now they got to figure out... Pretty good at jumping in this cartoon, actually. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so now they got to figure out a new plan. Their plan now is to 
<laughs> since this bread seems to like eating, they'll feed it enough bread that it'll explode. But um, <laughs> then Bumpy just eats it all. So it backfires. Uh, yeah. The bread eats Squishy again, and they pretty much redo the entire thing with the safe. Mm -hmm. Now they got a new plan. Uh, Bumpy uh, lures the bread up on top of the toaster so that Squishy can jump on the handle and put the bread in the toaster. They are they they have a lighthearted conversation about which one of them is actually the hero. Uh, but then the narrator tells them to look behind them, which they do and see that the toast is alive. Uh, actually, there's an extended thing of but they didn't look behind them and it ate everyone. And it's kind of video game graphics. It sort of looks like Earthworm Jim. Yeah, I kind of like it. actually. Yeah, yeah, that's, it's better. It's I mean, is it better than the claymation? Kind of. It's at least. No. Well, I don't yeah. know. Maybe maybe we have like 30 years to think about it and it's more interesting yeah. that way. But I don't know. Anyway, Bumpy points out that they did look behind them. So none of this happens. Now they got another plan. They lure in the toast. Squishy grabs him and Mr. Bumpy's going to shoot peanut butter at him, which the toast for some reason is afraid of. Hmm. I, I don't know why he didn't joke. Maybe he's allergic to peanuts. Well, he knows the plan. I guess he know he knows his major weakness. The bread eventually gets away, but stops when Mr. Bumpy says his name. Yeah. Hey, bread. And he stops and looks and then Bumpy hits him with a splat of peanut butter and he falls down onto the floor. Peanut butter side first, because that's just science. Everybody knows that peanut butter always the bread always lands peanut butter side down. Mm hmm. Um. Yeah, and then they wonder what happened to the rest of the loaf. Oh, it turns out it's attacking uh, the narrator. And we end with a string of other movies coming soon that are all bread-based puns of other movies. Now, yeah. my understanding is that these episodes of Bump in the Night usually have a third piece, uh, which is a song. and Karaoke. Ka yeah, karaoke yeah. thing, and... Uh, Looking at this uh, episode list, I see that there's supposed to be a song sung by Squishy called Go Away and Don't Come Back. But that wasn't in the version that I watched. Me neither. I, uh, maybe it'll have to be our bonus thing. <laughs> I'm wondering if maybe like this was taken. The, the version that is online in our CD streaming is yeah. taken from a DVD where licensed songs were taken Could away. Be. Could be. Yeah. You know that always sticks in my mind? What? Is Squishy's reggae song. It <laughs> goes, I'm in, in the porcelain. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, okay. So let me see. Uh, I've already talked about the voice acting enough in this. Uh, technical sure. aspects. Yeah. Boy, there are a lot of shots that really focus on their eyes so they don't have to animate their mouths properly. Or like I noticed that like Mr. Bumpy's eyes just in the center of the screen and you can just kind of see his top lip wobbling around. And then it cuts to a shot of Molly who has just picked up a bunch of diapers. So they're covering her mouth and they don't have to animate that. Like there are, I mean, you know, they put in the effort to make it animated, but you can see if you're looking, you know, sometimes a shot just looks weird. And for someone like me who looks at pictures and sees what the, Artists didn't want to draw um, like <laughs> yeah. like I've mentioned before, Pearls Before Swine or the comic strip. Or there's another comic called Rudy Park, I believe, 
where there's a lot of panels just like this, where it's just like the characters from the nose up and then the rest of the panel is just a speech bubble. Yeah, the infamous Todd, uh, not Todd, uh, Rob Liefeld feet that oh, disappear boy. on the horizon. Oh boy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. you can tell, like there's, and obviously like claymation is hard. It is time consuming. And it's amazing that they made as many episodes of this as they did in the time they had to make it. So right. I don't know that I can blame them too much, but I'm just saying, if you know what to look for, <laughs> you can see the corners being cut. All right. Um, You know, think about that Night Living Bread thing. I want to mention, you remember the movie uh, Better Off Dead? Kinda. John Cusack is a skier and his girlfriend leaves him. Anyway, there's a scene in that where he's working at a burger joint mm -hmm. and he falls asleep and has a dream that he animates it like animates the burger like Frankenstein. Oh boy. He strikes it with electricity and it comes alive as a claymation burger. Yeah. So I'm wondering if there's some uh, inspiration there. Not, not the same animator though for it, but yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Who knows? Anyway, e extraneous bit back to this thing, the bump of the night. Um, yeah. Um, on the whole, I think, I think that I am not being very fair to this thing because like the this has everything about Jim Cummings voice acting that I hate. And okay. I think that it's making me be unfair to the show as a whole because it's so much of it is Jim Cummings talking that <laughs> it's hard. I mean, does it have charms of its own? I guess. Yeah. I, I like the way Bumpy looks. Yeah, I like Squishy a lot. I like, that's the ironic yeah. thing. I like Rob Paulson's performance here. Like, this is really good Rob Paulson, even though it is obviously Rob Paulson. That's a shame. I, I thought I had a one-two punch on you with these two guys. Um. Well, you know, I think I think the thing is, you know, I recognize Rob Paulson's voice, but he doesn't really have any mannerisms that annoy me, whereas Jim Cummings does. And okay. I think, you know, aside from Jim Cummings not having a great range, his hmm. there are things that he does in his acting that annoy me. And this show has all that, of them. That's funny that you say that, considering that he fills in so much in Disney products, like mo even their theatrical movies. Oh, gosh, yes. I remember. That, any, yeah. Uh, anything that a anything that like they, they, they pull in their celebrity actor. Anything that he can't do, they just get Cummings to fill that line in, right? Or, or especially singing. Oh, my gosh. In Pocahontas, I remember um, when early on Pocahontas is having a is talking with her dad, the chief, and then yeah. he breaks into song and right. the singing voice is not even close to the talking voice. It's just <laughs> Jim Cummings. And I remember just going. Oh my God. Like I was just <laughs> shocked. Not that it was Jim Cummings. It was, I was just shocked that it was so abrupt and so obviously different. Like, wow. Mm. They didn't even try to get a singer that sounded like this other voice actor. They just got Jim Cummings. And yet they let Mel Gibson sing his lines. Bonkers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not a good singer, but yeah. Anywho, yeah, so on the whole, I don't know that I'm being very fair to this. I think it's... Well, eh. I'll, I'll be ambivalent. Um, so I have long wanted to put Bump in the Night on this podcast. Okay. 
it's always just been edged out or yeah. I forget, right? So like last Halloween, last Halloween, I went, oh man, why'd I do Ghostbusters twice when I want Bump in the Night so badly to be on here? Um, you know, I, we did recently another, uh, why does this, why does this exist? Yes. For this, I would say, I don't know that I love this show, but I love that it exists. Okay. Like you said, that they put this. This uh, claymation show out. It's pretty neat. Yeah, there's not a lot of those. There, there, there yeah. were not a lot of them at the time, and there probably never will be again because everything is just computer animated now. Yeah, and I, I like the show okay. Yeah. It's not got enough variance in it, though, for me to, like, marathon it by any means. Yeah, um, it's it's just kind of basic in its writing. I'll say one thing. For the era that it's in, There's today, whenever there's a uh, stop-motion thing, they always invariably include, whether it's in the end credits or like a bonus video, they'll include some making of stuff, especially with like time-lapse stuff where hands are going in and out and yeah. gradually changing the model and like. Um, I've noticed that a lot of them, they've composited the background in. So they're, they're just working with a couple characters in front of a, uh, a green screen, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and back in this day, I bet they didn't. I bet they had all the sets and everything. Just the way in your mind you think these things are made, I bet this was made. Well, you'd have to, because you can do superimposing on either a green screen or a blue screen. And here you got one character is green and one character is blue. (laughs) So, right, right. (laughs) Unless you get like a red screen, it's pretty impossible to do superimposing, especially with 1994 technology. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, it probably would have been pretty interesting to see them make this. Yeah. So, yeah, good on the creators for putting the effort into uh, to making something like this. There's a lot of love put into it. They, you know, they cut some corners, but they did it. Uh, yeah. Speaking of things they did. Oh, boy. What do you got? <laughs> they sure did it. I got Timon and Pumbaa. You know, the uh, meerkat and the warthog from The Lion King. Yeah. So they got their own Disney series. Um, right off the hop, I got to talk about this crummy, crummy theme song. So (laughs) naturally, naturally, there there have been some great, uh, Disney television cartoon theme songs. Sure. You know, life is like a hurricane. And then like, uh, uh, you know, uh, these two gum shoes. Great, great theme songs for their various shows. Yeah. Great. Here and there and everywhere. Don't you know? Yes. So, so naturally (laughs) they're going to allude to Hakuna Matata. How can they not? Right. Um, but to do this the best way, they would have made an original song that had Hakuna Matata in it somewhere in the lyrics. Hmm. Right? Would ha- it would have a refrain that would be from that song, but it would have some new stuff. Yeah. Um, and this actually has less lyrics than Hakuna Matata. And <laughs> the part that always seemed really crap to me was... Okay, so it's basically Akuna Matata missing, missing some lyrics, you know. Akuna, and it ends with their Akuna Matata, Timon and Pumbaa. Yeah. <laughs> Just sh- shove that in at the end. Yeah. This is what the show is, by the way. Yeah. Um, there so is, yeah, there is, um, when The Lion King was at its peak, uh, they released, a, obviously they released the soundtrack on CD and cassette, right. but they released a second one called Rhythm of the Pride Lands which was okay. music inspired by The Lion King. And I guess it also had some stuff that was from the cutting room floor. Like, oh boy, uh, there's a song. I don't remember the name of it, but you can tell from the story that it's telling that it was the song that they originally had in the Hakuna Matata slot in the movie. 
before okay. they came up with the idea oh, of yes, Hakuna Matata. Yes. But there's right. also an extended alternate version of Hakuna Matata because in the movie Hakuna Matata, there's a bit that explains um, Pumbaa's backstory. Well, right. this version has Timon and Simba's backstory in additional verses. Right. There's an animatic for it, too, or they show the storyboards. Oh, OK. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I guess they have the prestige of this cartoon having a theme song written by Elton John. Right. They got that Kinda. going for I mean, there's, there's some more saxophone and stuff in this one. But well, yeah, written yeah. by, not performed right, by. Right, right. right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You remember the Seinfeld where Elaine's problem is that somebody overheard her singing Hakuna Matata? <laughs> no, but it sounds like <laughs> something that they would do. Yeah, so funny. <laughs> I thought I was alone. That doesn't make it right. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so let's get to this thing. So it's half a so The first one is Timonkyo. Um, it begins, Rafiki, the baboon shaman, is sleeping in a tree, but he is awoken by an argument between Timon and Pumbaa. He swats the dopes with a stick and asks why they're arguing. It turns out that the two were in a bug catching contest. Oh my God. That's all they do in this. Well, not so much in the second episode, but my, my just remembering what I've seen of Timon and Pumbaa back in the day. Like it was like, they took the, the main point. They took the main points of what they did in the cartoon. They sang Hakuna Matata and said Hakuna Matata and ate bugs. And so that's kind of all they do. Everything is about eating bugs with them. I disagree, but it is here. We'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Yeah. So they're in a bug catching contest and Timon, the meerkat won, and he won't stop gloating about it. Pumbaa, the warthog, bets that Timon couldn't go a day without bragging. So Timon gives the rather empty pledge that if he brags, his tail will grow. However, the shaman uses his actual magical powers to make that curse real. So Rafiki has actual powers, I guess. I guess. I mean, I know this is not canonical to the Lion King movies, Mm. uh, but in there, I always assume that Rafiki's powers were in a gray zone where he didn't really have magical powers. It was just kind of superstition, you know, kind of. Yeah, actually, it made me also think like, did, did, did the clouds really form Mufasa to talk to uh, Simba? Oh, boy. And if they did, somebody that was like across the savanna saw the side of a big lion cloud talking to someone <laughs> like, what the heck is going on over there? Anyway, yeah. Um. Okay, so it takes Timon no time at all to brag about his bug-catching prowess, and his tail actually grows. He notices when it snags on a tree root. Just then, Rafiki appears on his shoulder in the form of a cricket in, in spats, because, you know, this is a Pinocchio parody. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he confirms that the curse is real. The conscience cricket baboon can't counsel for long since Pumbaa instinctively eats him since he's a bug. Yeah. Timon is quick to hide his tail by gobbling it from a bowl as though it were spaghetti, which actually is pretty funny. Mm. Uh, (laughs) Of course, he can't help but brag some more, so more and more tail grows into his mouth. Luckily, Pumbaa doesn't notice. He has to race to an outhouse because of indigestion 
and he presumably craps out Rafiki. Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah, Timon winds his excess tail into a ball, but he just can't stop bragging, so the ball just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Timon has a heck of a time dragging it up the hill, and once he does and is going downhill, it rolls after him. Timon runs away from it, bragging as necessary in order to create a longer gap. Rafiki just gets run over, and Pumbaa happens by him and eats him again. <laughs> you know, I wonder, where does the tail grow? Does it extend from his... No, but that wouldn't make any sense. If it extended from the root, then the ball wouldn't get bigger. But even if, even if it extended from the end, it would just become a mess or stick out of the ball? I don't know. I don't it know. seemed like, you know, when he was eating it like spaghetti and he bragged, his cheeks bulged out like more tail appeared right. in his mouth. So right. maybe it extends from the middle. <laughs> All right. We've solved that. <laughs> um, so the, the, the ball of tail chases Timon across the hot coals of some fire-walking fakirs. What the heck? <laughs> Why are they here? <laughs> anyway, then it rolls over Timon, and then over some cactuses, and then some salt flats, literally rubbing salt into his wounds. Yeah. Uh, it finally comes to a stop near an outhouse, from which Pumbaa comes out, apparently having evacuated Rafiki feces again. <laughs> Rafices, if you will. <laughs> um, Timon finally comes clean and asks for help. See, his ball of wound tail length becomes so unwieldy that it bounces off the planet and threatens to pull the braggart into outer space. Finally, at his buddy's (laughs) suggestion, Timon humbly admits that he brags too much and it makes his tail revert to normal size. This strengthens their friendship, and when Rafiki Cricket teases that the meerkat should put the whole episode behind himself. He bitterly eats him and probably poops him out later. Yeah. Well, maybe not, because the other um, single dimension to the character here is that Pumbaa is stinky. Yeah. Pumbaa fart. Yeah. Although, (laughs) they Um, couldn't say that in The Lion King, if you recall. (laughs) You're making me think, though, that, like... Like, the old axiom uh, for Timon, what, your shit doesn't stink? (laughs) But anyway, so let's get to the second episode here. Oh, boy. The, you know, this first one's pretty scary, though. It was like Junji Ito body horror. Yeah, I... Anyway. When I saw the the episode description, um, and I saw the word curse, I thought, ooh, this could be good. Uh, Mm. It wasn't as cursy as I thought. It's more Katamari Damacy. Oh, shoot. I forgot. Oh, whatever. We'll see if I can figure out later. This next episode is Ghost Boosters. Mm. Ghost Boosters. So at the start of this cartoon, it's Timon who can't sleep because of Pumbaa's snorting. The warthog blows his nose into a piece of the newspaper that he's reading. Pumbaa notices on that snotty scrap a classified ad calling for ghost mashers to come evict ghosts from a mansion. Hmm. Timon sees this as a great opportunity to enjoy the comforts of a mansion and get good sleep at last. Hmm. Now, here twice, Timon vigorously cleans Pumbaa's snot from his hand with a washboard and a sudsy wash basin. Hmm. 
which is not as good a washboard gag as Olive Oil and Her Dog, nor Little Black Sambo, but you know. <laughs> was Little Black Sambo a good gag? Yeah, I don't know. Well, well, this one didn't make me laugh, so, you know. <laughs> anyway, um, Timon doesn't believe in ghosts and further claims not to be afraid of nothing. There he goes bragging again. <laughs> uh, but Pumba identifies that he's afraid of big, flying, stinging insects as well as tentacled space aliens from the movies. Anyway, the two show up to the mansion of old man Frank Welker. <laughs> hey, it's been a hot minute since we've talked about him. Yeah. It's um, been long enough that I actually thought it was Maurice LaMarche at first. And it, uh, it wasn't until I saw the voice credits that I kind of slapped my forehead and went, oh, obviously. Oh, no, I know a Welker anytime I hear him. I normally anyway. do. Like, I knew the voice. I just yeah, had yeah. the actor wrong. <laughs> Because right, I was kind of so, reckon, I was like, can Maurice LaMarche do this voice? He's pretty flexible. But then I saw Frank true, Welker true. in the credits and I was like, oh, right. Of course, of course. So that scammer Timon is dressed as a swami with a crystal ball. It took me a long time. He's got the crystal ball tucked into his sash. It took me a while to figure out what the heck that thing was. Yeah. Um, so he bades that the man leave. So that he can sleep, er, that is, exercise the ghost. Yeah. Timon tucks into bed, but one of the pillows proves to be a big Frank Welker ghost. Oh, oh I've when, seen this before. I don't know how it, I, I don't like how it turns out. In Big Mouth, this went all the way wrong. <laughs> um, well, this kind of goes, anyway. Uh, when Pumbaa parrots that Timon is not afraid of ghosts... He reminds him that he is afraid of big winged stinging insects, so the ghost shape changes into such a thing in order to terrorize him. Um, anyway, then it, dis then it disappears, and the two wander through the mansion to find that ghost. Earlier, Timon sold his pal Warthog as a sort of ghost psychologist, and Pumbaa is now committed to the idea that the ghost just needs a little understanding. Mm. Anyway, the goofy porker supplies the spirit with Timon's other phobia, so it takes form of the tentacled alien to hurt him some more. Well, that's the last straw. Timon prepares an actual exorcism, despite Pumbaa's plea to communicate with the poltergeist instead. The ritual doesn't go as planned, and it rather sucks the ghost into the meerkat's nostril, resulting in possession. So after he gets thrown around the room, Timon expels the ghost by blowing it out his nose. And as a callback to earlier, the ghost cleans his snotty self against a washboard. <laughs> a try at a second spell seems to work at banishing the ghost. So later, when the old man returns, he reveals that he was the ghost all along. Um, it turns out that the want ad was a sham just to lure victims in order for the ghost uh, that he might confirm his scariness to himself. Hmm. And as a result, the ghost feels better, empowered. And by the way, the reason the spell didn't work was because it lacked fresh dragon pimples. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, the cartoon ends with all three of them tucking into bed together, Timon unlikely to get any sleep, Next to a scary, scary ghost. Mm. Mm. 
You know, with Frank Welker doing the voice here and the animation being kind of crap, this really felt like Hanna-Barbera or Ruby Spears. <laughs> oh, boy. This is... Disney made an animated series out of The Little Mermaid, and they made an yep. animated series out of Aladdin. The Lion right. King, I think to this day, is the most successful cell animated movie they've ever done. Well, I mean, you know, you can look, you know, adjust for inflation, maybe like Snow White. But as far as like yeah. grossing and like pop sure. culture phenomenon and everything, like The Lion King is still like the the commercial pinnacle of Disney. And okay. for, for cell animation, at least, you know, there's Frozen, but... but it is amazing to me that this is the animated series that their most successful animated feature got until 2016 when they made the lion guard. Hmm. It's astounding. You know, I don't really hate these characters, which might be a surprise. Hmm. Um, maybe I had some goodwill because lion King is a pretty enjoyable movie. Yeah. And, you know, for comparison, I hate the gargoyles from Hunchback. Oh. I hate most of these kinds of characters. But these guys are okay. Um, it's funny, you said that this cartoon has, you know, they like bugs, but all kinds of weird crap happens in Timon and Pumbaa. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know when The Lion King is supposed to take place, but there's... I do know they're not probably not supposed to be next to a lot of the things they are in this cartoon. They're supposed to, certainly probably not in walking distance of a mansion. Yeah. Um, and all kinds of nonsense happens in this cartoon. Did you know that Don Carnage is in one of the episodes? I now that you say that out loud, I think I might vaguely remember that because like, yeah, anything goes because the point of like it changed this series, this show lasted three seasons, which amazes me. But right in the beginning, the idea of it was Timon and Pumbaa in different parts of the world. And every oh. every episode's title was a pun on the part of the world they were in, usually a country in Africa. But so there's I think there's an episode called I Think I Canada. And um, oh, my God, I was going to get to that about how how crap the episode titles are for most of these. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're they're really so annoying. bad. They're really annoying. This this these two, by comparison, are pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you have anything? Because like we've talked about, you know, the animation is pretty okay. crap. It's like it's that second rate Disney afternoon, you know, after the well, first season a, of Rescue Rangers. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. OK, so. Uh, we, we remember when we did the random episodes of Rescue Rangers and that early episode, the Cattery's not, was the Cattery's not included? Yep, yep. That's the, the, the one, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's animated by Tokyo movie Shinsha, right? Mm. Okay, so a lot of things are good about that episode, but man, it looks so good, right? Yeah, it does. It's shockingly and, good. And they did that. Almost all of Gummy Bears is TMS and the front run of DuckTales is, and same with Rescue Rangers, but then it starts to diminish, right? Where there's not quite as many tailspins and not quite as many Darkwing Ducks. Yeah. And I, I think I think it finishes with Bonkers and Gargoyles mm. that, that they use TMS. And so at this point, Aladdin had already been out. Funny that Aladdin actually is exactly the sort of series they should make about Aladdin. Mm. But 
it's just, I'll be too harsh because it's not, not all of them are ugly, but there's no promise of them being good either. No, no. You know, especially if you're watching them on TV where you're playing a, a rerun roulette, right? Where you're like, oh, is this going to be a great looking episode? You know, the answer is going to be no for Timon and Pumbaa. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so that was probably part of it. I was wondering, like, did I just grow out of cartoons? No way. No. I was watching Sailor Moon three times a day back at this time. So. <laughs> no, it's. It's pretty second-rate animation. Um, I personally don't like the alternate voice they have for Timon because Nathan Lane, I think Nathan Lane was Timon in some of the early episodes of this series, but then they got a different yeah. actor. And he half of the first season. Yeah, yeah, he this actor does not do a good Timon. And Ernie Sabella, who is the legitimate voice of Pumbaa, is back in this. Um, mm. If you haven't watched The Lion King, and I don't know who hasn't. Um, Ernie Sabella might be best known as the naked guy on the bus in an episode of Seinfeld that Jerry was having a conversation <laughs> about baseball with. It all comes back to Seinfeld. It does. It all comes back to Seinfeld. Um, but I started to find even the Pumbaa character tiresome. Like, yeah, I, 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 I like that he's good natured yeah. and emotionally intelligent. He's like... He's, a, he's the one who seems dumb at first blush, but he's the one who actually knows what's going on. Mm. Whereas Timon is the, like, you know, the guy who, the overconfident guy who thinks he's in control, but then everything gets away from him. Hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. He drives the stories for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's. You know what? Robert Guillaume is also back as Rafiki. Yeah, mm, he, he is. So that's good. Um, I know. I didn't. I didn't have the problem with the voices. I thought the voices were fine. I, I thought. I just didn't like Timon's voice. Um, yeah. And Pumbaa. You know, it's Pumbaa's voice. It's it's the canonical correct Pumbaa's voice. So you can't complain about it. But I I got the, I found the character getting a little tiresome after a while. But yeah. Oh, oh! Remember earlier I was talking about uh, obnoxious, like you know. We both we both were about how white bread can't jump and yeah. uh, uh, free at last, free at last. This cartoon is full of that crap too. <laughs> you know, like, they like me, they really like me. Oh yeah. And uh, well, what else is there? Oh, he, he sings the uh, uh, "We Are the Champions" lyrics. Oh yeah, he does just that all too. kinds of yeah. stupid garbage in this cartoon. Yeah, this is yeah, it's, it's not good. This is like fantastically, you know, for someone who is invested in the Lion King, you know, like. Like I said, that was, to this day, is still the highest grossing animated feature that Disney ever put out. There's a lot of people who saw and really liked The Lion King. And this is absolutely not what you want from a cartoon based on The Lion King. What would you want? Something like The Lion Guard. Like, some more, okay. like, adventure around, you know, Agus Simba. And, and myth. Yes! More more places like the Elephant Graveyard and that kind of thing. Yeah, I guess. not just like, you know, Timon and Pumbaa riding a bus through New York City or whatever. Like, no, right. we don't want that. We, yo, they're they're in a mansion being swamis talking English to humans um, and like sleeping in a bed or. Right. Like, it just not this. Okay, fair enough, fair you enough. You want the yeah. Aladdin cartoon. <laughs> you said the Aladdin cartoon was the uh, what the Aladdin cartoon should have been. It's also, right. to some extent, what the Lion King cartoon should have been. 
I get what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, mm. maybe at this point we should just quit while we're ahead. Just everything. Oh, I've... What? I, I, I have just one more fun thing. Okay. Ep- I was talking about how those crap episode titles... Yes. Okay, so here's here's some crap. Yes. Luck luck be a meerkat. Mm. Okay. Um so sumo me. Yuck. Uh-huh. Now museum, now you don't. Is this Bob's burgers? <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, but but we're going to crest upward here a little bit. So <laughs> your your favorite slams of New Jersey from Real Ghostbusters? <laughs> what one episode title is Escape from Newark. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> and here's one where I can't believe that they got away with this. There's an episode called Circus Jerks. I saw that too. Whoa. Yeah, that was <laughs> yeah. shocking. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know what? I guess it breaks even. Some of these are pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right, all right. so yeah, so, yeah we, okay. we, we got to move on. Yeah, <laughs> okay, scary. Let's continue being scary. Uh, right. And it's time for us to do shorts again. So scary shorts, I guess. Um, So I got two for you, and I just oh. need to refresh myself on the first one's name because I have forgotten it. Uh, <laughs> that does not bode well. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, okay, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. Okay. Here it is. Episode number one. Well, short number one. Hmm? It's called Minnie the Moocher. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a Betty Boop. Yeah. Hey, I thought it was uh, my job to recommend Dave Fleischer cartoons. Yeah, well, (laughs) you want to talk about me uh, horning in on your job? Get my second one here. Okay. It's called simply The Friendly Ghost. Oh my God! Okay, I was gonna do a fr- I was gonna do a Casper one. Oh, I was I was in fear that we might cross over here, but okay. Um, I did not, however. Oh. Okay. What did you do? Um. Well, first of all, have you ever seen Robot Carnival? I don't think so. Well, good. I'm cheating a bit here. Robot Carnival is an anthology movie. You know, different directors oh, handling short segments. Okay. Yeah. So I'm picking one segment from that called Nightmare. All right. The other one, we'll see if you un- if you recognize this at all. <laughs> Through 89 from left to right. What? Through 89 from left to right? No, no, no. F-R-U 89 from left to right. Uh, it's a Russian cartoon. No, that, that, that doesn't ring any bells. Well, it's going to be fun. I guess I will find out. All right. So there we go. We got one of us is doing Dave Fleischer and Harvey comics, and the other is Mm. Micah. So (laughs) (laughs) in the meantime, tell us all about what kind of scary things you've seen, like uh, Timon and Pumbaa. That's pretty scary. Um, And, uh, you know, just tell us about Halloween. I'm I'm at AC Matsy on Twitter. That's a good place. Yeah. And is it Barry or Burry? Oh, yeah. Tell us. I'm at Drab Swatch on the Twitter. Uh, now, uh, there is a battle between two wolves inside of us all. Huh. One is evil. It is darkness and despair. The other 
is the celery stalker's slogan. Sir, your house is completely possessed and terrorized by a tortured soul, especially here in the bedroom. 